I want to be known for giving the voiceless a voice. I want to be known for positioning people and, 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 and adding a seat at the table. I want to be known for having those, those footprints in the sand, uh, delivering health care for everyone, regardless of their, their ability to pay. I want to be known for shattering health care disparities. At the end of the day, that's what, that's what it's all about. Welcome to Metro Health's Prescription for Hope. That's Metro Health's new president and CEO, Dr. Erica Steed. That's Erica spelled A-I-R-I-C-A. She's the first woman, the first black person, and the first nurse to serve as Metro Health's president and chief executive. She arrives from Chicago, where she served as executive vice president and system chief operating officer of Sinai Chicago Health System and president of Mount Sinai and Sinai Children's Hospital. She brings with her a toolbox packed with educational, business, and clinical experience and accomplishments. That's in addition to a personal story that motivates her every day. Dr. Steed started work four weeks early on December 5th, 2022. She took some time out during her first weeks to engage in a terrific, wide-ranging interview with Metro Health's Senior Manager of External Affairs, Diane Sahetka. The conversation ranged from food and family to Dr. Steed's passion for health equity and her vision to achieve it. It was so wide ranging that we're going to break it up into two parts. Today, in part one, we find out more about Dr. Steed, her life, her family, and her vision. In part two, we go deeper into her personal mission to erase health inequities. Thank you for listening. Here's part one of Diane's conversation with Dr. Erica Steed. Do you mind if I start? I don't mind at all. Okay, good. So you've heard all about this uneasiness and anxiety employees are feeling now. They're worried about the future of Cleveland Safety Net Hospital. What do you want the Metro Health staff to know more than anything else right now? You know, honestly, I recognize that right now is a very difficult time for everyone. I'm completely empathetic and my heart pours out to everyone, all the people that dedicate their lives every single day and are truly making a difference every single day. That, that strength is, is in numbers, and that, that is what inspired me. That is what motivated me. That is why I'm here. I'm motivated by the momentum that we have. Uh, we are truly making a difference in, in the communities. We are truly transforming the lives of those that we serve. And, if, and I believe if we can continue to focus on that, I believe that the anxiety that is, is, is being felt across the board will, will mellow. What's your top priority at Metro Health? I have, I have several, um, but w- one of the things I can certainly say, our trajectory certainly is in, is in the right direction. I think that the mo- momentum is at an all-time high, especially on the wake of the new Glick Center, uh, the new developments around the campus. So I really want to take take that and continue it on. And I want to really deliver with, with excellence um, and continue that great work in, in terms of innovation, transformation, and really be one of those organizations that other similar organizations can really look up to and aspire to be as being a national urban healthcare uh, delivery model, specifically focusing on health equity. 
and really reversing the centuries of, of inequality, the centuries of healthcare disparities and uh, those pertinent challenges. So I know we, we, we have a lot underway that really points in that direction. Really what, where, where I want to go is actually proving the case that all of the, all of the, the actions that we're, that we're taking up a, a positive step forward on um, that we're really making a difference and that, that we partner hand in glove with the community. Uh, we're working shoulder to shoulder with the community to really drive uh, uh, you know, those outcomes in a positive way. When you leave Metro Health, what do you want to be remembered for? Honestly, I, would, I want to be remembered for having such passion and such conviction for Metro Health that we truly made a difference and that difference could be proven. Um, I, I've always been a person who leads from behind and I do that on purpose. Um, I don't necessarily have to always be the the center of attention and, and, and that person in the, in the spotlight, but I really want to elevate excellence from within the organization. And that's truly what I want to be known for is bringing out the best in people um, to where uh, their, their value can be seen and it, it can be heard. I want to be known for giving the voiceless a voice. I want to be known for positioning people and, 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 and adding a seat at the table. I want to be known for having those those footprints in the sand, uh, delivering health care for everyone, regardless of their their ability to pay. I want to be known for shattering health care disparities. At the end of the day, that's what that's what it's all about. I want to not just put a dent in it. I really want to eradicate health care disparities and I want equality and equity for everyone. When will you leave? How long actually, are you staying? Actually, I'm 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 here as long as the organization embraces me. I I truly I, and I, and I was just having this conversation, not just uh, in a in a professional sense, but I was I was having this conversation with my family, and I and I truly believe that Metro Health is is my is my other family, and I'm here as long as the organization embraces me, and I, I found my second home. What's your advice to other leaders who are coming up? What do you what 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 are, what's your one good piece of advice for them? So, what really stands out with me, and and I've I've had so many positive influences in my life, but one piece of advice that has stuck with me, and and I use it even even in every single role that I have, even now, is really position yourself in in learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So learn how to navigate yourself out of uncomfortable situations. You have to practice failing and you have to practice being uncomfortable. Um, cause you're always going to be put in situations where you're, you're, you're going to be in a high anxiety moment. You're going to be in a high crisis moment. Um, and you're going to have to learn how to calm that down. And the only way to really get to a point where you can properly navigate is, is building that muscle to be able to tolerate that and, and building up that, that agility. Um, so two things, be comfortable learning how to be uncomfortable 
And two is practice the, the, the art of, of, of proper failure and failure with confidence where you can build yourself back up from that. And uh, guess what? Leadership is not about perfection. It's about learning and it's about evolving. It's about becoming a, a better person every single day. Where does your emotional intelligence come from? Honestly, my mother, my mother, she shaped me very well. She shaped me very well. And actually going back to, so I, I learned through practicality coming up with that. And again, I come from an astute business background an astute healthcare background, and we challenged each other at the table. So I've learned how to be seen and not heard. I've, all, all of the, the isms that a mother teaches you. But then when I, um, when I started to evolve as, as a leader and I got my doctorate in ethical leadership, one of the things I teach is emotional intelligence because in order to be the, the most ethical of leaders, you have to have, you have to be in tune. You have to be situationally aware. You have to know what makes you tick. You have to know what makes you slip. You have to know what your line is, is in the sand. So I, I teach that. And is a, is, to me, is, is a muscle that you build. Um, it, it certainly can be taught and it certainly can be shaped. But this is one of the skill sets that I think that a lot of leaders are lacking in, in terms of really honing in on understanding where they are from an emotional intelligence point of view. So tell us about your family. So um, I have four children. So most people, when they look at me, they don't they don't realize I have four children um, and, a, and a husband and two two uh, dog children. So I have a pretty big family if, if you really think about it. Uh, so I have two boys, two girls. My oldest is in college back home in, in uh, Chicago, um, studying business and really trying to find himself, but I think he's going to land with a combination of business and technology. Um, my second to oldest is uh, 16 years old. She's my daughter. Um, she's a junior in high school. And I truly think she's going to make a, a huge difference in whatever she's going to do. She's going to change the world. Um, I have a 14-year-old son who's a freshman in, in high school. Um, he loves all things sports, um, and I really believe he's going to land on the communication side and, and being a sports broadcaster, which is his passion. Um, and then I have a seven-year-old that I still call my baby. Um, she's in second grade, and, and quite honestly, she's the boss of the family. So I have to step aside and check my title at the door when it comes to uh, Riley Harper Steed. But um, so she's definitely going to be something one day. And then I've been married for um, going on 20 years uh, to uh, my high school sweetheart, but it, it didn't start out like that. I have an older sister and they were in the same kind of uh, network, if you will. So initially uh, I went out with my husband as a, just as a mere favor to my, to my sister. Then I was going to planning on just going on with my life and my business. Um, but it, it, there was something that stuck with him. So I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> Am I supposed to say that? I'm like, <laughs> so 
you were a track star in high school. Tell us about I was. that. I was. I was. So, I'm, so um, actually, it went well beyond uh, uh, just high school. I actually went to the Junior Olympic Games, um, met, met my, my idol, uh, Flo Jo, so Florence Griffith Joyner. Um, so I went back to, uh, I can't remember the year, but, uh, but I'm a, a Junior Olympic Game track star and, and placed and medaled at the Junior Olympic Games. So that was before high school. Um, but I ran both track and cross country. And what events did you compete in? So I was um, a 400 meter dash runner and I was also a hurdler. So um, either the 300 or 400 meter hurdles, um, the four by four relay. So I was I was a definitely a 400 meter dash runner or 800 meter dash. And did, did you continue to compete in high school and college? Tell us about so, that. So when I transitioned on into college, I did run my first couple years, but then eventually I, I right. focused more on my, I couldn't balance out the athletics and, and academics. And I really wanted to have a dual major. So that's when I shifted away from it, but very much as a, as a part of who I am as a individual, and even as a leader, I've taken so much characteristics out of, out of just being an athlete. What did it teach you? Honestly, the, the, just the discipline and work ethic and working as a team, not as a, not as a, it's not about the I, it's about the team. It's about the we. What do you do to relax? Honestly, I'm a big reader and I'm also a, just, a, um, I, I love to just cook and, and spend time with the family. So all of those things. Do you have a favorite author? You know, so on a person, I I have uh, many favorite authors on a on a um, professional level, but on a personal level, I, I came up reading Mary Higgins Clark, and she was my favorite of all times. And my mother really got me into her. Um, but she was a suspense writer, and that's that's what I'm attracted to on a, on just a personal note when I'm just trying to really separate myself out and just have a sense of calm. Do you have a favorite chef? Honestly, I love Bobby Flay. <laughs> who doesn't like Bobby Flay? But I also like Michael Simon, his best friend, who's from Cleveland. What was your first job? I actually worked for Wendy's. And I still remember, I still remember, it has is is implanted in my brain. Um all, all of the Wendy songs and, and um, the customer service skills, skills building from when I was 16 years old. I still have it in my head. I can still make a junior bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the rapid fire round so people know you a little bit better as a person. Do you have a favorite food, a favorite movie? Who are your role models? Okay, so favorite, favorite food, Anything and everything in the Italian genre, which is why I landed in Little Italy as my starting point for uh, for Cleveland. I can anything Italian, I'm I'm gonna eat it. Favorite movie, Pretty Woman. Who are your role models? My mother, my late my late mother, and uh, uh, I'm I'm just gonna leave it at that. fourth generation nurse. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. pretty darn rare. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about both of those things. Yeah. 
So I grew up with healthcare in in my blood, in in my DNA. Um, actually, I I don't remember what normal looks like with healthcare not being a part of my story. Um, it was certainly at at the breakfast table. It was certainly at the dinner table. Um, I believe I was probably in second or third grade where I was a completely healthcare literate and I can understand uh, just basic medical terminology, but it goes way back um, four generations. My great grandmother, um, who was a self-trained nurse midwife from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So she was from a very, very small town. Um, And what really what she did in, in back, back then there was no formal, nursing education that you go through, but she was, she delivered babies, um, in the, in the entire town in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And that planted a seed in my, in my family. So that, that passed on each of the, each of those generations to a point where when I was coming up, um, there was no option. Uh, so all of, all of the females in my family, when I was coming up, all of them were nurses. So everywhere I looked, Everyone was a nurse, including my own mother, um, who ended up passing away. But uh, that was the that was the option. So I, I never saw myself being anything other than being a nurse. Hearing the stories, seeing the examples, uh, the many countless examples, and being able to really see the work ethic of my mother. But I also grew up uh, with my father, who was who owned his own business. So I always indicate that I'm I'm a person who who was raised with compassion, with humanity, and with a focus on clinical excellence. But I'm always also a person who's very astute on the business side, and I was I was raised like that. So I I don't know the difference between the two because I can speak multiple languages. I can speak entrepreneurship and, and business, and I can certainly speak the language of of healthcare. And I I carved out a special path for myself where I get the best of both worlds. What kind of nurse was your mom? What kind of nursing did she practice? So my mother was a pediatric intensive care nurse, and then she went on uh, to further her education because my mother aspired um, to go all the way. So my mother was extremely intelligent. Um, So she was aspiring to actually get her doctorate in in nursing, but unfortunately um, she passed away before she can live that reality. So I took on that torch and and did it for her. She's one of, she's a pivotal role model for me. Um, Unfortunately, she, she passed away when I was only 23 years old. Uh, she was 46 years old uh, when, she, when she passed away. Um, but she was a pediatric intensive care nurse that was one of those nurses that truly made a difference. She was the energy um, in, a, in a room. And um, that she, she certainly passed that torch on to me. got into healthcare for a specific reason. My, my reason got personal. Okay. So my mother passed away very tragically for me, but she didn't pass away from the cancer that she had. She passed away from that, 
the side effect that was not shared um, on, on the chemotherapy that she was on. And then that translated into my grandmother, who also died from a healthcare error. And then my, more recently, a year ago, my baby sister died from what I believe should have been detected early. So healthcare disparities is personal to me. It's personal. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to catch part two of Diane's conversation with Dr. Steed as she goes deeper into her story, how it fueled her passion for health equity, and how she plans to help end health disparities as she leads Metro Health into an exciting new chapter. Prescription for Hope is a production of the Metro Health Foundation and the Metro Health Communications team. Thank you to Metro Health video storyteller Stephanie Jarvis for her audio expertise. I'm John Campanelli. Thanks for listening.